You are now listening to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast with Dr. Taylor Crick. Dr. Taylor is an expert in helping those suffering with autoimmune disease, and he himself has autoimmune disease. Autoimmunity is rampant today. The purpose of this podcast is to educate about the underlying causes and natural solutions to halt autoimmune disease progression. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For more information from Dr. Taylor, visit www.autoimmuneeducationacademy.com. Without further ado, here's your host, Dr. Taylor Crick. What's up? Welcome to the Autoimmune Doc Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Taylor Crick, and I love explaining and teaching about the underlying mechanisms behind autoimmunity and chronic disease. Today's podcast is a great example of that. We are talking about the key to health, the key to to metabolism, the key to autoimmunity, the key to chronic disease, which is your mitochondria. So this is a great example of how understanding some of these deeper mechanisms will help you make better decisions, whether you're managing an autoimmune condition, whether you're managing symptoms, or you just want to age healthy, you want to avoid chronic and degenerative diseases. It all comes down to the mitochondria. So that sometimes, honestly, makes it hard to even talk about mitochondria. I can't possibly overstate the importance of mitochondria. So that's kind of the goal for today's episode is to try to explain a little bit about how they function, but more importantly, just how incredibly important they are. Um, and some of the overarching concepts, so just kind of an overview of these mitochondria. Now, in the next episode after this, I'm going to dig a little deeper into some of these functions, mitochondrial functions. There's really four main mitochondrial functions, and then we're going to talk about how to test for those as well. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about strategies, and I'll give a little teaser at the end of today's episode about some of those strategies that we'll be discussing, but that's kind of the goal for today is to start with a big picture, 30000 foot overview. And then in the next couple of episodes, dive a little deeper and a little deeper. So let's start here. Why are mitochondria important? Let's just start with, you know, chronic degenerative diseases and go through a list and just name them and explain how mitochondria are at the center of virtually all of these diseases. That virtually any disease that's not congenital, meaning you weren't born with it, has mitochondria at the center of it because mitochondria control all of our body's energy production. Now, when we talk about energy, obviously the thing that comes to mind is like, boy, I'm tired or I can't get out of bed today. But that's part of it for sure. But what we're talking about is the energy to do everything. Like think about even what happens while you're sleeping. You don't have a lot of energy. You're fast asleep. Your body's fast at work though. And that requires a lot of energy. Your body's constantly healing, regenerating, recycling, um, and, and just restoring just different functions in the mitochondria power, all of that. Uh, so let's talk about some of these diseases. So like cancer, that's a great one. Not all cancers, but many cancers are now known to be a metabolic disease. Uh, there's a, a doctor named Thomas Seyfried who popularized this idea of cancer as a metabolic disease. And I, I read his book probably three or four years ago on cancer as a metabolic disease. And it's really, really fascinating. But what, what he's discovered is that the metabolic changes in the mitochondria change the, the reactive oxygen species. And anyway, turn on oncogenes and can be be the start of cancer. 
Uh, we also know that a lot with, you know, people will say that sugar feeds cancer, uh, PET scans feed on sugar, things like that. And that's all mitochondrial because that's what, you know, the sugars, what's burning the sugar is the mitochondria. Diabetes is, is the next one. So another chronic disease of rapidly growing, huge burden on society. This one is purely a mitochondrial disease, the metabolic diseases, metabolic syndrome, uh, heart, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, hypertension. These are exclusively mitochondrial because they are metabolic diseases. Metabolism is the study of the mitochondria. So diabetes is purely a mitochondrial disease. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's and dementia. This is the hottest topic right now. So your brain cells have a lot of mitochondria. They power all of your brain cells function. So when they stop working, you stop storing memories. Or if they stop working in other areas, you begin to get other diseases like Parkinson's, ALS. So all the chronic neurodegenerative diseases we now know come from dysfunctional mitochondria. Now, there's many things that lead to dysfunctional mitochondria. You can have this process can take you know a long time. Um, so it's very nuanced, of course, but we now know that cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, ALS, they are all mitochondrial. Another one is autism. Another one is autoimmunity, obviously the point of this podcast, but one of the things that happens in, in autoimmunity is there's all kinds of mitochondrial dysfunction. You know, in systemic diseases like lupus, where there's anti-nuclear antibodies, there's autoimmunity where you can have anti-mitochondrial antibodies, but there's also mitochondrial dysfunction in something called the regulatory T cells that help bring balance to the autoimmune mechanism. So if those mitochondria get messed up, then your body can't balance out autoimmunity. You get uh, too much inflammation in certain areas and you develop an autoimmune disease. A couple others, chronic fatigue syndrome. So certainly mitochondrial, um, chronic fatigue, CFS or myalgic encephalitis. Um, mitochondrial. Mitochondrial produces all the body's energy. So, of course, if you're chronically fatigued, and in those cases, it's, it's different, but something is switched and changed in the mitochondria. Same thing with fibromyalgia and pain syndromes, mitochondrial. Same thing with depression, anxiety, and brain fog. These are mitochondrial issues in certain areas. Sometimes there's, uh, there's just, I don't know, just different things. Um, and then let's say any other symptoms. Basically, if you name a systemic symptom, meaning like I want maybe not constipation, bloating, you know, a reflux, things that are even sinus, you know, they're not necessarily mitochondrial when they're in those hollow spaces, when they're in the gut, they're in the lungs, they're in the sinuses. But anything systemic, any pain, any inflammation, um, any fatigue, certainly, any problems healing, any problems with immune function, inadequate immune function. This is all mitochondrial. So that is why these things are so important. Just on the tail end of like where, what we want to avoid is we know that the mitochondrial is so crucial for all these chronic diseases that are the biggest thing that most people are dying from today. So let's go into what these things do, where they are, um, and how they function a little bit. So mitochondria are like little batteries. And I mean that pretty literally. 
in, in that, you know, I'm, I kind of understand how a battery works in a non-physicist kind of way. You know, there's a positive end, there's a negative end. We know there's a flow of electricity through that battery. And when it gets put into, you know, a certain device, it can power that device, right? And the same thing is true with the mitochondria. It's electric and your, your body passes electrons and pumps, or your mitochondria pass electrons and pump protons through there to produce energy. So your body is just made up of a lot of cells, right? Your body has some 35 trillion cells. And each one of those cells, with a couple exceptions like red blood cells, each one of those cells are powered by mitochondria. Some cells have a few mitochondria, you know, a small cell, uh, an immune cell, things like that, not, not a ton. Some have hundreds of mitochondria and some have thousands of mitochondria. So the cells and the organs that require the most battery power have the most mitochondria. So I bet that you could guess which organs in your body require the most battery power. So one of those that probably you wouldn't guess is or reproductive like egg and sperm. So if you think about kind of the, the, the purpose of any species is to reproduce and procreate, the egg and the sperm have the highest amount of, of mitochondrial density because they just require a lot of power to kind of join up and make that, make that embryo, that zygote. You know, that just requires a, a lot of energy on a cellular level. But some of the other ones that you probably would have guessed, like the heart. The heart requires a lot of battery power. Obviously, if your heart dies everything else stops. So you want your heart to keep going. So you don't want those batteries to go dead. So the muscles in your heart, a lot of the electrical signaling in your heart, there's a lot of mitochondrial activity in the heart muscle and tissue itself. Um, and in the cardiovascular system, let's just say high density of mitochondria in the heart. Another one is the liver that just does a lot of functions. So just does a lot of things, you know, detoxification, a lot of metabolism, a lot of, you know, production of things, a lot of clearance of things. The liver is just very metabolically active. It's one of the most metabolically active tissues, which means that it requires a lot of battery power. Another one is the muscles, which of course makes sense that, you know, your muscles are required for, for everything, not just your heart, but also for movement, for, you know, uh, obtaining food, for avoiding danger. So obviously, when you need your muscles, you want them to have battery power, you want them to function, you want to be able to move and, you know, kind of live in this world. So your muscles have quite a bit of mitochondria. The next one is your immune cells, um, which again, it's not like a super high number, but it's just very, very important that in your white blood cells, in your dendritic cells, in your regulatory T cells, your T cells, your B cells, you know, in all of your immune cells, there are mitochondria that are powering all that activity. So even in glands like the thymus gland, there's just a lot of metabolic activity in the spleen where we're producing a lot of immune um cells and immune mediators and things like that, a lot of mitochondrial activity. And then the last one is the brain. And the brain, you know, makes the most sense because, of course, it just requires a ton of energy. I forget the stats, but I think that the brain is maybe something like, you know, whatever it is. I, I'm going to butcher this, uh, but it's maybe 10% of our body weight, but it takes 80% of our body's energy or, you know, something along those lines because so much is needed for brain function. And then the brain coordinates, 
immune function and hormone function and digestive function and obviously psychological function, memory storage, um, fear sensing, you know, all those different things. The brain just has a lot going on at all times, which is also kind of why we need to sleep to give it a little bit of a break. Um, but the brain has a lot of mitochondria. And again, I'm going to just touch on the brain probably a lot just because the, again, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, these neurodegenerative diseases that most medications are, are, are failing at so far of finding a, a good you know, medical solution for these. We know they have a mitochondrial component and they're just big and scary. So I'm talking about the brain stuff quite a bit. Um, so in each neuron, you have up to something like 8,000 mitochondria. You have 100 billion 100 billion with a B neurons, and you lose something like I think a million neurons a day. That sounds like a, a high number, right? But out of a hundred billion, like if you're a hundred billionaire, you could probably spend a mil a day and you're like still a billionaire. So that's kind of the point is that as you age, you're losing neurons all the time. It's a natural, normal process. But what I've heard is that it's kind of like sculpture. You're building your masterpiece, you're chunking away pieces of rock to make the sculpture better. And so your brain's actually getting smarter, more effective, more efficient. But what you don't want is you don't want it to be like ice sculpture where your brain's just actually melting away at the same time. And that's more like in the context of uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, some of those things where you just really start to lose brain function in certain areas. But the brain, really, really important place for mitochondria. Mitochondria can reproduce and they can change a lot. And change is just the best word through some processes called fusion and fission. So fusion is like two mitochondria fusing together and fission is a mitochondria splitting into two. But mitochondria are always, they're very dynamic. They're always changing. And the bottom line with mitochondria as far as a quantity is that you want a, a lot of them. Again, if it's battery powered and they're the batteries of life, it's like, well, you could choose to go through life with uh, your battery at half charge, or you could try to turbocharge that battery. You want a lot of mitochondria. Um, it's called, when they, when they reproduce, it's called mitochondrial biogenesis. So it's making new mitochondria. And exercise is the best way to increase mitochondrial density, to increase that no number of mitochondria and they can measure this you know in a in a muscle biopsy or something the number of mitochondria like in your quad let's say and then you go through an exercise routine for let's say 30 days and they retest that muscle tissue again and they'll see that the density of mitochondria has actually gone up so you want a lot of them but you also want them to function very efficiently. And now here's where we're getting into the important stuff is you can have a lot of them. It's hard to know, but you want them to function very efficiently, which means producing as much energy as possible without causing damage. So you want them producing as much energy as possible, but you don't want any collateral damage from that, which is absolutely possible. Some ways that mitochondria produce energy, produce more damage as part of that. So you want it to be, you know, over on kind of the most efficient way of producing energy. So the way that that happens, your food that you eat, gets turned into electrons. And these electrons get passed through the mitochondria to produce energy. 
And that's a really simple version, but that's also pretty accurate. Like the, it doesn't really need to be any more simple or any more complex. That's absolutely true. Mitochondria can burn, essentially burn two fuels, carbs or sugar or glucose or fat. Um, so in starvation mode, the body will break down protein. You know, we have three macronutrients, carbs, fat, and protein. And the protein is more for rebuilding and regenerating. And it's like the Lego building blocks that makes enzymes, that makes tissue, that makes organs, that makes, you know, everything in the inside the cells are all made out of proteins. So that's kind of the main purpose of protein. But carbs and uh, sugar and fat are really the fuel sources. Um, so again, you, your body can break down protein and turn it into carbs in a process that's called gluconeogenesis. The liver does that. But we don't want that. What we want to do is we want to give our mitochondria fuel. And when it doesn't have fuel, we want it be, to be able to tap into other fuel sources like stored fat stores instead of tapping into muscle tissue and breaking that down to turn that into sugar. One of the biggest contributors to mitochondrial dysfunction is an overload of sugar, hence the, the diabetes conversation uh, earlier. But an overload of sugar really disrupts some of these energy-producing pathways, and the mitochondria really just get reliant on using sugar as a fuel. So then they're like, we want more, we want more, we want more. And it creates other problems. It creates insulin resistance. It creates more reactive oxygen species. It creates more inflammation. And then another thing too is that sugar carbs are a less efficient fuel than something like fat. And, and we know that because fat has more calories than sugar. A gram of carbs has four kilocalories per, I think it's gram, I guess, but it's four kilocalories Whereas fat is nine. So fat is, and that's a measure of heat production. Calories a measure of heat production. So eating, you know, a gram of fat versus a gram of sugar, you're going to produce twice as much energy out of fat than you are out of sugar. So if you're constantly burning sugar all your life for the last 30 years, you're producing half as much energy as you could have been by eating more fat. And now you don't want to eat all fat, of course, but again, it's producing the most energy in the most efficient way while minimizing the collateral damage. Uh, this whole process requires oxygen. So that's a really, really important part. So your food gets broken down into electrons. They get taken into the mitochondria, but it needs oxygen. And in fact, this is called aerobic metabolism. We want, we want to be uh, respirating. We want to be doing things aerobically, meaning with oxygen. So if you are anemic, meaning like you have low iron, or you are hypoxic, meaning like you don't get good blood flow, out to your extremities, like if you get cold fingers, cold toes, cold nose, there's a good chance that you're also not getting good blood flow, good oxygenation to some of those uh, deeper areas of your brain as well. Because when we get into those smaller arterioles and things, those smaller blood vessels, you're just not able to push oxygen into those deeper places like the fingertips or the tip of the nose or the tip of the ears or the tip of the toes. So you have to be getting good oxygen. if It's like a motor. If you don't have oxygen, your mitochondria will never function properly. And also like a motor, it's like, you know, if you take your Ferrari to the top of Pike's Peak, it's not going to produce the same amount of horsepower that it would at sea level because the oxygen density is different. Um, so 
one thing that commonly happens with mitochondria, and this is you know kind of how mitochondrial dysfunction happens, is they don't necessarily die or stop working. You know, so again, like a battery, and maybe like an iPhone battery, that when you get it and you charge it, and then it lasts like you know ten days on the first charge, and then six months later you're having to charge it three times a day, and the battery doesn't charge as efficiently. You burn battery faster, so they don't die or they don't stop working. They just become dysfunctional from things again like too much sugar, toxins disrupt the mitochondria traumas like head traumas, um, psychological traumas, stress, viruses. Viruses hijack the mitochondria and hijack metabolism and shift metabolism into this less efficient form. And it's part of a, 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 of a viral uh, um, path evasion strategy, you know, because then it's easier for them to, to live and replicate without being killed. But all these things disrupt or dysfunction the mitochondria. And then if it stays that way for months, for years, for decades, then you're going to lead to chronic degenerative diseases. Uh, again, next episode, I'll talk more about some of these mechanisms. But when they become dysfunctional, they begin to produce less energy through a less efficient pathway called glycolysis. And glycolysis is a, a, a sugar-burning pathway that just, again, produces less energy or less efficient energy. So if the cells stay there, it can lead to major problems. And in fact, a glycolytic shift is a hallmark of cancer cells. It's a hallmark of Alzheimer's and dementia cells. It's what's called a Warburg effect. So this guy named Otto Warburg came up with this concept, I believe in the 20s, and won a Nobel for it. Um, and so this is called the Warburg effect, where the body, the mitochondria shift to something called glycolysis, which is less efficient. Now, again, I'm not going to explain all the details of that right now. I am in the next episode a little bit more. But here's the metaphor that I use for this is imagine that you have a boat. And in your boat, you have a big motor, um, right, that gets you around the lake really fast. It's really nice and et cetera. But imagine one day it runs out of gas and you say, okay, no big deal. I've got this trolling motor. And so you're then your trolling motor is great because you could still get home. You could still get around. It's not as efficient. It's not as powerful. It doesn't produce anywhere near the same amount of energy, but it at least suffices. So you're not stuck up a creek without a paddle. You're not stuck in the middle of the lake. You're just moving a little bit slower than usual. So imagine if that happened and then a year later, you know, your friends come out to the lake and they're like, hey, why are you still using the trolling motor when you've got your big motor right there? And you say, well, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it, it does the job. It works. That's the thing is that a lot of people just don't realize that they're using their trolling motor. They're like, why do I feel so sluggish? Why do I feel so slow? Why does my brain feel so sluggish? Why can I not get out of bed in the morning? Why am I tired after I exercise? Why am I have this brain fog after I eat a high sugar meal? Why do I have these symptoms? Well, that's because you're using your trolling motor and you don't realize it. So when these mitochondria shift, this energy metabolism from their big motor over to their trolling motor, that's a natural and normal thing. At, at times. But again, if we stay there all the time, it is not good um, for, for you know, longevity reasons. So when mitochondria become dysfunctional like this or they become damaged, they're often cleared, cleared out uh, by a mechanism that's called mitophagy. 
So mitophagy, it sounds a lot like autophagy, which autophagy means self-eating. And so autophagy is your body going around and literally eating up bad, dead cells or senescent cells or cells that are no longer serving their purpose. And think of it like cleaning your house or taking your garbage out. If you don't do that, the garbage just accumulates and, you know, you get problems or dusting your house, you know, same same concept. The dust just accumulates if you're not doing typical housekeeping. So with the mitochondria, that process is called mitophagy, where the body goes and it eats up these bad cells, it gets rid of these bad cells, and it clears those out. But when the mitochondria become impaired, mitophagy becomes impaired as well because there isn't enough energy for your body to do things like mitophagy and autophagy. So your body doesn't take out the garbage and the garbage begins accumulating. Unhealthy mitochondria begin accumulating. Um, unhealthy other bad cells, you know, uh, beta amyloid, uh, tau aggregates, you know, different uh, alpha-synuclein, you know, different things begin to accumulate in the brain or in other areas, but especially with these mitochondria, it's called mitophagy. Also, when they become dysfunctional, they also produce more exhaust. So again, let's think about these motors. Imagine if your tr- your big motor, it's like, you know, it burns clean and, you know, you don't smell anything. It's good for the environment, etc. And maybe your trolling motor, let's say, is an old, old thing that puts out like this thick black smoke. And whenever you're using it, you're coughing, you're hacking. So again, it gets you around the lake. It does the trick, but it's producing more exhaust. There's more, there's more damage. There's more collateral damage, if you will. So in the mitochondria, this exhaust is called reactive oxygen species or oxidants, pro-oxidants. It's the exact opposite of antioxidants. So the mitochondria are the ones that produce the, that exhaust. And then those reactive oxygen species can go and then damage the mitochondria. So that's kind of the, and that's one of the main theories of aging is that our oxidative, our oxygen species begin to outnumber our antioxidants And so the oxidants accumulate and the damage accumulates because of that exhaust that's been produced by the mitochondria as they're burning fuel to produce energy. It's also why antioxidants are so important. But but more important than eating antioxidants, I want to add, is your intracellular antioxidant systems. So doing things like exercise, doing things like fasting, doing things like even taking certain supplements and and things like that can not only give antioxidants, which will go and mop up or scavenge this exhaust, um, but what, what, what it does is it upregulates your body's own antioxidant defense system. So your body has all these defense mechanisms built into the cell. And sometimes, again, because of mitochondrial dysfunction and other things, the, even the, the ability to produce these antioxidants becomes diminished. So we have an increase of these reactive oxygen species, and we have n- not enough antioxidants to scavenge those. And it's just a bad a bad combo. Um, but that's the exhaust. So when mitochondria become dysfunctional in, in regulatory T cells, it leads to autoimmunity. When mitochondria become dysfunctional systemically, it leads to insulin resistance, diabetes, 
Uh, when mitochondria become dysfunctional in the brain, it leads to neurodegeneration. So that's, again, why they're important. That's why mitochondria are the key to metabolism, to autoimmunity, and to chronic disease. So again, my next episode will be about these specific functions, like glycolysis, the Krebs cycle, beta oxidation, and the electron transport chain. Now, if that made your head spin, don't worry. When I explain each of these, it's going to make a lot of sense. Like beta oxidation sounds fancy. That's fat burning. So if you have problems with your fat burning, guess what's going to happen? Well, you ain't going to burn fat, so you're going to probably gain weight. Now, not everybody with these metabolic issues gains weight or becomes obese. In fact, many people with metabolic issues have no weight gain at all. Um, but I'm going to explain each of these and kind of make sense of each of them in a little bit more detail. And then the next episode after that is about the mito strategies. So I want to give just a quick recap for today and give a little teaser on the next couple episodes. So again, recap on today, mitochondria are important. In fact, they're the most important thing. When you have a lot of well-functioning mitochondria, you're going to have good health, you're going to age gracefully, and you're going to be more symptom-free. Let's just put it that way. When the mitochondria get, become dysfunctional and, and you leave that there, it leads to chronic degenerative disease, it leads to symptoms, it leads to problems. Part of the way that you support mitochondria is just by being human, which means moving, exercising, getting good regular light exposure, eating real food. Now, those sound really, really simple, but the problem is that today's society goes against many of these innate functions. We lead sedentary lifestyles. We eat too much sugar. We're under artificial lights all day and night. We're not getting good sunlight. Um, We're in front of blue lit screens, all these things. So uh, sugar damages mitochondria. Toxins like mold, mercury, glyphosate damage mitochondria. Blue light damages mitochondria. Electromagnetic radiation damages and disrupts mitochondria. Disrupted circadian rhythms disrupt or damage mitochondria. And a sedentary lifestyle damages mitochondria. So the solutions are just don't do any of those things. Live you know, a, a human lifestyle or what we call an ancestral lifestyle of like, look how you know, the people who came before you, look how they lived, and that's how your mitochondria are designed to function best. Now, some other things, almost all supplements, work on the mitochondria. So things like B vitamins, CoQ10, fish oil, NAD, alpha-lipoic acid, glutathione, turmeric, resveratrol, uh, on different different mechanisms. Though. So many medications too, metformin, uh, um, rapamycin, uh, many medications. Um, but vitamin C, vitamin E, you know, your antioxidants. So again, I'm going to explain some of those in the mito strategies. And then some of the advanced things, a ketogenic diet helps heal mitochondria, red light therapy works on the mitochondria, that's why it's such a hot topic, cold thermogenesis, another hot topic, works on the mitochondria. So there's all these things that sound weird, that sound kind of, you know, crazy to take ice baths and things like that. But what people are reporting are these amazing benefits from them. So then the scientists go and try to connect why when someone does this, Do they get this as an outcome? And the reason is because of the effects that it has on the mitochondria. So I hope that this was helpful. Again, I think that the goal of this one, I think it's helpful, period. 
but the goal is for it to build on the next two so that you know what you can do. Um, you know how you can test it. That's what we're going to talk about next time. How can you know if you have you know disrupted Krebs cycle or if you have uh, glycolysis or if you if you have a glycolytic shift? Or if you're not burning fat, you know, things like that. And how can you modulate that or modify that? That's going to be on some of the strategies and some of the things too. So next episode, understanding those mechanisms a little bit deeper is going to lay a foundation for that third episode. Because once you understand the electron transport chain, you don't need to understand it in detail, but just a little bit that I'll talk about next time. Once you understand that... Everything will make a lot more sense about red light therapy or cold thermogenesis or how some of these mechanisms have their benefits, but that's kind of a good start. So mitochondria, it's going to be a big theme for 2022. Hope everybody had a had a good new year, had a good Christmas. Uh, I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. I was going to do an episode about how to remove mold from your body, but it took me forever of just note-taking and stuff, and it was just like it's it's an impossible question to answer on a podcast because every single person is different. There's so many things to look at with mold. Some people might have liver issues. Some people might have sinus issues. Some people might have gut issues. You know, there's just it was too much for a single podcast. Um, but this is the theme right now for January is mitochondria. Leave us a rating and a review. We always appreciate the ratings and reviews. I forgot to ask at the beginning. Share this with a friend. Um, follow us on Instagram. Sign up for our email list, all those things. And I'll be talking to you guys again soon, talking about mitochondrial functions and how to test them a little bit more specifically. See ya.